We are going to start our conversation with Ritesh Agarwal, co-founder and managing director of Serapap Ventures. Ritesh, welcome to the show. Nice to be with you. Thank you. So Ritesh, let's uh, get uh, you acquainted with our audience and uh, you know discuss a bit of your background first as well as in some of the underpinnings of the Serapap Ventures Fund. Sure. So as I said, first of all, many thanks for inviting me for this great uh, event. And uh, I will give you a two-minute uh, background on who we are, what we do, and where we are in the journey, and what we intend to do from this standpoint. So we are four partners uh, spread across the world, and we have been together for the last 20, 25 years. And we all come from a hardcore techie background. I myself started back in 1995 in India as a software programmer and uh, did all my education and uh, MBA from India, moved to US, started with Ernest Young, and later joined Bank of America. And I was like, uh, very proud, I say I was uh, in the C-suite uh, for a while, and then left it, started a, a or not joined a services company, which is now a billion dollar services company and was responsible for starting their operations in Latin America. And during this whole journey, what we figured out is, uh, that uh, technology in the early stages, it was supposed to be a support function, then it became a main driver of the business. And then in some instances, in fact, it was driving the business. And I got an opportunity to work in the CVC, which is corporate venture. And that is where I learned the art of uh, investment, exits, deal flow, and all that stuff. So all four of our partners have been working, as I said, last 20, 25 years, started Seracap in 2015, November of 2015 with the notion that uh, we will fund the early stage companies. As I said, we all have the background in the technology. I specifically have worked in the AI space for a very long time, AI and blockchain for a very long time. And uh, my other partners have been into cybersecurity and uh, healthcare IT. So we started mm -hmm. a cap and uh, we have done two funds. Uh, fund one was a small fund of 5 million. Second fund is 50 million, which we are closing in next one week. And we have invested in roughly around 12 startups. And when these startups, these are not early stage in the sense they are not in the concept stage, but they are seeds or seed plus, where they have a product or a POC, they have a team, they have an office, they have a way forward. And we specifically focus in only three domains, so AI, cybersecurity, and uh, uh, healthcare. So this is where we are, as I said, closing the second fund, and then pretty soon we'll be starting our third fund around $120 million by the end of this year. Let's see how this COVID thing works out, but uh, hopefully by end of this year or Q1 of next year, we'll start our third fund, $120 million. So let me double click down on stage. You said you do seed and seed plus, um, and it, it sounds like you are doing relatively deep technology ventures. So when you are looking at companies, you want to see a product, you want to see a team, what else do you want to see by way of validation? Because you know, obviously these kinds of products take a little bit of money to build. So oh, tell us a bit more about what, uh, and what are your assumptions about what has gone, what has happened in that company's evolution before you come in? Lovely, that's a very interesting question. So uh, let me explain you uh, how our due diligence process works, which is a little different than most of the VCs in our space. 
so what we do is there are two things that we do as a part of our due diligence. Uh, one is that definitely uh, a team is very must. Uh, the credentials of CEO, CTO, or the C-suite is very must for us, and we do a lot of digging into it. And mostly at the stage where we are, it is through the referrals that we are getting uh, a deal or a, a company to look for, for evaluation. Second is uh, we have two things that we do. One is that we have a CIO console. And as I said, our, our past history in the uh, Fortune 500 companies. So we know a couple of, not couple, many CIO CTOs of the Fortune 500 country, companies that are part of our CIO console. So what we do is, let's say a company comes to us, they have an AI product, we like it, we like the team, we like the concept, we like the way, what, whatever they have achieved and their path forward. We take that thing to a CIO console, let's say, uh, I'll just make up a Costco, right? And go to the Costco CIO and say, you know what, is this something that you will buy? So we have mm -hmm. a line from these guys who are the actual buyers of these products down the line. So they have already seen it. They, if they give us the positive feedback and they say, yeah, there is something that would be interesting. Once they are able to achieve, this company is able to achieve X, Y, Z, we would be very interested to see, uh, A, give them the opportunity to launch their product in our company. And B is down the line, if there is any uh, uh, possibility of M&A, we will do it. So that is one of the marker for us uh, to make an investment. If CIOs are getting excited. They like the product. They like the story. They like the roadmap. Definitely will go and uh, go to the next steps. Second piece is that uh, we always see what we can do for the company. So we are not in a spray and pray model where we go and invest in the companies, sit aside and say, you know what, out of 10, two will do wonders and that will basically pay off everybody. Uh, we are very much involved. And we all four of us like doing that. So. What we want to do is that if we are investing in a company, we want to see how we can scale up that company, how we can get them the purchase order, how we can get to get them to a point where the revenue is sustainable and they can run on it. So our whole goal is that if we are making the investment, we'll take care of your sale and scale. CEOs should focus on building the product, building the team and building a culture, right? Rest all uh, will help you as much as we, as much as we can. And so far, out of these 12 companies, it has worked for us. Two of our companies, which we invested in 2017, are on the way to become a unicorn. They are already at a $600 million valuation. We invested in them at a $5 million. So this strategy of ours of sales and scale and validating against, uh, validating with the CIOs of Fortune 500 so far has worked very well for us. Okay, good. So that's very specific. I have, I'm gonna ask you for a couple of more specific points on yeah. that on what you've said so far. So you have a CIO panel. Do you also have a CISO panel, Chief Information Security Officer panel that you check with when you do cybersecurity investments? A primarily CIO uh, panel. And uh, if CIO feels that he needs to get his extended team involved, they basically refer to uh, their ecosystem or their folks. Uh, but what we have right now is a CIO panel. Okay. And within that, is there any sector-specific um, bias in, in your CIO network? The, is it a retail or banking, or is there any kind of bias in that? Almost all. Uh, retail, uh, as I said, uh, definitely three domains. Uh, AI, we are calling it domain, but AI is not a domain. It's a technology, right? right. AI could be in manufacturing, could be in healthcare. So AI is very generic. Uh, but uh, 
on the healthcare side, absolutely. Uh, on the uh, cybersecurity side, absolutely. Then we have some of the manufacturing side and the retail side. But if if I were to say that, you know what, it does not matter what I have seen is that uh, what is the background of the CIO? Their, uh, the way they see the thing and the, the way they understand how the market is moving and how the products will be built and consumed in their domain, that is very helpful to us. So I can take a cyber security product to let's say Costco, right? It's a retail uh, CIO and I say, you know what, would you buy it? So cybersecurity has a big play in the Costco world, right? So they absolutely look into it and that's where they get their CSO and all the team to look into the product if it's really interesting. So for us, yeah. we rather don't look at the domain, we look at what credential the CIO has and what kind of uh, advice or help he can give it to us. Well, it's, it's very um, horizontal. Cybersecurity is extremely horizontal, so CIOs across domains would have relevance. And healthcare, I imagine if you have healthcare relationships, that's also very specific. Um, but when it comes to AI, AI can vary. You know, an, an AI product may be more applicable. Like in our portfolio, I can think of, off the top of my head, I can think of three or four products that have specificity. One is particularly interesting for banks. One is particularly interesting for people who are doing large-scale um, advertising campaigns and media buying, and, and this is an optimization for analytics and optimization for media buying for large uh, advertising buys. So these are, you know, these tend to be different uh, types of use cases. So that's where my question about where your CIO relationships are was coming from. That's correct. So AI, absolutely, uh, you are absolutely right. AI is, uh, as a domain, could be a domain specific. So uh, if you allow me, I'll spend a minute on explaining how the AI is working and what you see in the market versus what's behind the scenes story. And that will mm -hmm. uh, make you, that will get my point across that ultimately when you look at an AI company, AI company, there are three things that you need to look for. One is the team, right? The team has to be world class. AI is not something that can be built by uh, C-sharp.net developers or anybody else. It has to be done by industry expert people, right? PhDs in the data science or PhD in, uh, in uh, uh, human psychology and all that stuff, right? Second is uh, the product that you are building. Ultimately, it is a function of where the data is, what kind of data are you going to process, and the function of are you building a technology or are you building a product for an uh, enterprise? If you are building a technology, then it's a different DNA altogether, right? If you are building or you are improving or enhancing a technology, AI technology is a different uh, DNA. But if you are going for a market, for an enterprise, then what problem are you solving, right? And how much access you have in building the neural networks and how fast you can get it to the market, right? So those are the uh, initial things that we look at. And I'm at a very high level. I'm telling you how I look at the things, right? Once you know it, then getting across to CIO for a particular domain, it's fairly easy for us because now we know that they have got the base right, right? Now, if they are in the healthcare or they are getting into the uh, uh, retail, uh, connecting the dots and finding out whether that product would be applicable or not is fairly easy. But the first part is the most important and the toughest part to crack what exactly these guys are doing in order to build an AI product and how much yeah. data. 
We're actually seeing very good AI companies and very good cybersecurity companies in our portfolio. The stage that you're talking about, we have several, which is why I'm kind of digging down into, you know, what dots to connect uh, from our portfolio into your fund. Uh, we will talk offline on, on, and I will check with my uh, portfolio and who wants to talk to you. But I think uh, the, you know, these connections are incredibly helpful uh, and, and very specific connections. You don't need numerous connections, but a few really appropriate, relevant connections where there can be a product market fit checked very rapidly. And we already know in most of these, we already know there's product market fit. We need to get them in the hands of large enterprise buyers and go through the sales cycle. That if, if that's something that is your expertise, we have a lot of things to discuss. Would love to connect with your portfolio companies and see what, what we can do to help them out. Fabulous. All right. So um, switching gears a little bit, uh, tell us a bit about uh, maybe a few companies. We've invested in 12 companies already. You're already starting to see a couple of them turn into unicorns. Maybe start with the two that are turning into unicorns and tell us where you encountered them, how you encountered them, what state were they in, what did you see in those companies that told you that, yes, this is going to go, and you wanted to write the check. So what I'm trying to get at is, your thought process in thinking through investment opportunities. Sure, sure. Um, so to answer this question, I will take you a step back, right? So the way how we get the deal source. So the first question that you, uh, I would like to answer is that how we are getting to these deals where in two years or three years time, uh, two companies are on the way to become a unicorn, right? So if you go and look at our website, saracap.com, and you go and look at board members, these are all industry leaders, not the leaders. They are the guys who are uh, at the top of their uh, domain, like Don Cushman, uh, chairman of the Cushman and Wakefield, uh, President Vicente Fox, ex-president of Mexico, Yuval Volman, the ex-director general of uh, Israeli intelligence. These are few to tell, like uh, 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 other guys, Jeff Brown, who is uh, running a multi-billion dollar uh, credit fund, right? All these guys, they have been with us for last, I would say, seven to eight years. And uh, the deal flow mostly come through their channel, right? So as I said, mostly it is referral that we get. Second is this uh, regarding the two companies that are on the way to become a unicorn. Wyom is in the healthcare. And the second one is uh, Deep Instinct, uh, that is uh, in the cybersecurity. So I'll go with Deep Instinct first. So Deep Instinct uh, came out of 8,200 uh, unit of uh, Mossad in Israel. And for us, uh, before I go into details of the companies, it doesn't matter where the company is formed. Uh, what matters is that how can we get them into US? That's the other thing. The company that we are investing in has to have a US presence, even if they don't have it, but their product and their market penetration is going to be good and they go to a check. Ultimately, they have to move to US. So we have companies from UK, we have companies from Israel, we have companies from Singapore and US, uh, US and Mexico for sure. So deep instinct, that's how we got connected through Yuval Volman to this uh, uh, CEO of the company, Guy Caspi. And uh, at that time, they were just coming out in 2017, I believe they were coming out with the concept that, uh, you know what, all the computers that are running in the world, they are fixing the problem of the known malwares. Nobody's fixing the problem of unknown malwares. So if I give you the perspective, right, COVID-19, it is something this virus came in out of nowhere. Nobody had an idea that this is possible. Right. Same thing for your computers, right? 
unknown malwares like what you are going to be hit with. Uh, I don't think there's any other company till date that can go and predict and, and say that this is the malware in making and this is the only mm -hmm. for it. So this is the company that started with that concept and uh, initial valuation was 5 million, as I said, on the way to become a half a billion dollar company in three years. And they have got a, a, a OEM signed with HP, $120 million, 55 years OEM signed with HP. That means all the HP computers will be uh, preloaded with the deep testing software. So uh, as I said, connecting the dots through our uh, uh, board members. Was the HP deal already in place when you invested or did that come later? Sorry, say it again? Did the HP deal, was the HP deal already in place or did that come later after you invested? It was done last year. No, when you invested, was the HP deal already in place? No, 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 no. They, they were starting to build the product. This was at the concept stage. They had a prototype. Okay. They showcased to us. And in fact, they ran it through. So I'll give you the story also. They ran it on a computer. We loved it. We took them to Walmart. And Walmart did a 60-day study on them, uh, had them implemented their uh, software on, at that time, prototype software on their laptops, some of the selected laptops. And they predicted that on what date they will be hit by a, by a virus and what kind of virus. And that is how their journey started. Okay. So that was a very early stage, $5 million valuation, five people in a room started the company back in Israel. And now, as I said, uh, they have a U.S. presence, very strong U.S. presence. Uh, they have got almost, what, 30 clients. Uh, King's Food, HP are the big ones they have. Uh, they have a very good revenue, I think $25 million revenue right now uh, that they are mm -hmm. doing. So they're, they're off the charts, right? And the question is, what is the next step that they're going to do? Is it going to be an IPO route or it would be acquired by uh, one large firm? Don't know yet, but this is where the details take in. Second one is Viome. Same thing with Viome, right? Naveen Jain, who is the CEO and the chairman of the Viome, a good friend of ours. Uh, he has done uh, very good. Uh, he was with Microsoft, worked with Bill Gates, uh, got connected to us back in 2004-2005. Uh, he has done multiple companies. He came up with this idea that, you know what, your gut, that is where the microbiomes are. And these microbiomes have a lot of information that nobody is looking into it and uh, invested them at around five, five, five or six million dollar valuation, early stage. They came out of the Los Alamos, New Mexico. Uh, they got the technology from there, uh, licensed it, and then they built a platform. There you go. If you go to Viome, it's there on the uh, Amazon. Uh, it's into B2B, B2C space. Their revenues are around 17 million. Uh, they did the last round at half a billion. A uh, lot of large known celebrity investors are there. So what they do basically is they take a test, a stool test, and then they analyze your gut and they tell you what kind of microbiomes you have. And based upon that, they give you the recommendation what you should be eating, what you should not be eating. Like, let's say uh, one food uh, could be uh, good for me, but might not be a, might be a poison for you. But you must be eating because you think this is a healthy food, might not work. So, and now with this in four-year journey, they have become the largest data holder of your microbiome in the world. So it is something like comparable to 23andMe. Uh, they have uh, DNA uh, repository. These guys have microbiome uh, repositories. And now they have signed, uh, I think two weeks ago, they have signed a deal with GlaxoSmithKline in Japan to build a vaccine uh, for uh, uh, some of the uh, diseases uh, using the uh, microbiome data. 
So they are they're doing both a diagnostic product and a test and a data product. They're giving access to the pharmaceutical companies to their data to develop vaccines and drugs and so on and so forth. Okay. And what is the go-to-market strategy of the diagnostic product? So they are doing they are uh, mostly into B2C space. So right now they're selling the kit on Amazon or through their website. And ultimately okay. they want to go to, into B2B uh, more in the wellness side uh, where they go to uh, for the example, like uh, Costco, Walmart, or or any large firm, and say, you know what? Why don't you have this thing as a part of your wellness program for your uh, or Bank of America for your uh, employees, where they take this kit and then uh, do a testing, and it's part of your wellness program. So that's their next step. We're going to. So, but uh, but the B two C model is scaling. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, they're killing it. Okay, cool. All right, so. Um, I have a couple of questions in the context of what you said so far. One is uh, on geography. You said you want the companies to be here in the U.S., but they can be coming from anywhere in the world. Is that Did I get that right? That's correct. Okay. And check size. What size checks do you write normally? So our check size, uh, so, okay, so this is how we def uh, divide our fund or the investment that we are going to, the three categories. One is the growth, growth capital. And that's where, you know what, the early investment that we are making that goes from, you know what, one or two companies we have done to 50, but now we are going with half a million minimum. And it could go up to 1.5, uh, depending mm -hmm. upon where it, this, uh, these companies are. Second is our, our pro rata. Uh, we have a conscious effort, the companies that are doing good, down the line to, uh, uh, not get hit by the liquidation. We want to maintain the pro rata, so we have X amount of money always ready for investment if a company does a, a, a round. And third one is that we have recently implemented is the bailout fund because keeping this COVID and all that nonsense going on, uh, some of the companies will require bailout. It's not that the companies are bad, it's that, you know what, uh, startups yeah, have- slow decision cycles. Yeah. Uh, seven, eight months, and it's, it's, this thing happens so fast that you, no company can plan for it. So we have yeah. taken bailout money, X amount of bailout money that we will definitely invest if a company requires that. So as I said, uh, we are, once we invest, we are with you, and we will take you to the, your logical end, uh, whether it's an IPO or it's an M&A. Now, um, if the first check is 250K to 500K, um, and, and let's say you have a company that already has a product some other low, in, a, in some other low-cost place. Um, what is your appetite for handling the process of their coming to America? Because you know, setting up shop in Silicon Valley or somewhere uh, in America is, is a much more expensive process. Maybe they have managed to put together a team of six, seven, eight people in a low-cost destination, built a product, and maybe even have started getting validation, but you know, taking on a U.S. operation is an expensive affair, and 250k to 500k is just about is a small amount of money to take that on. Yes, so I'll give you an example of like Deep Instinct or uh, one company, Tathina. Um, again, you can go to our website, saracap.com. Look at Tathina. They started in Singapore. Uh, they have clients like Airbus, Rolex, Zara. Uh, PwC, uh, Microsoft, right? Uh, uh, amazing company. Uh, 
Again, we invested around, I think, three or four million dollar valuation. They just closed around at 50 million in two and a half years. And they are into AI company, uh, but they are into PIA space. Uh, so they look at the personal information or the confidential information using the AI, B2B space. Yeah. Got them into US uh, uh, around six months ago. And the right timing, when we go and we know this company is not in US, it's specific to a particular geography, we see what kind of clients they have and what is their traction. Okay. This Fair enough. That, was, that was my question. You know, we do see, a, because we are global, we see a lot of companies that are actually doing very good work in different geographies and will come into the U.S., but, you know, just kind of have to get put one foot before the other and, and get stuff done before they take on the expense of coming into the U.S. Absolutely. And for us, one checker that we have is that you have to have a channel partner relationship with one of the large companies in US like Microsoft, Google, or any of these companies, you need to have a channel partner relationship because ultimately these are the companies that will launch you launch you in US and give the access to their clients. And that is the recipe for success. I see, interesting. Okay, that's a pretty high bar because it's not easy to do those channel partnerships either. Um, that is where we come in. Like, if they, you have the real product and it's doing well, and you have the traction, you have sustainable revenue, and you have uh, done well in your own geography, we will connect the dots for you and take you to these places where we will help you to build uh, or get the uh, relationship done. Yeah. Well, there may be beginnings of a channel partnership. It may not be fully fleshed out, but there are discussions and yep. so forth. Yeah. Okay. Good. That gives us a good, uh, you know, window into what you're doing, and uh, we will. We definitely have uh, companies that could be of interest to you, so we will connect those dots in due course. Now, uh, thank you for your 